0: Welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. And hey, my friends. Here we are again in another episode of Solo BG Podcast. It's been so long. I know I promised you on the last one that I was going to try to do this on a weekly basis or in a every two weeks basis, uh, but things came out on life, on my personal uh, life, all good, so don't worry about it and thank you if you you were wondering, uh, but we're back, we're back to play some games, uh, I will catch you in the, in the meantime, you know, eventually, I guess, but um, yeah, we're here to talk about some games, we have four games that we're going to talk on this episode, actually uh three of them we uh i got them for review purposes so that's the disclosure right now on the episode and one of them it's actually one that it's currently live on kickstarter that i will mention again a little bit and it's probably going to be the first one that we're going to talk about um so anyway yeah i will tell you all about because it's right now currently on kickstarter and it's a big 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 game a big box of game uh before we keep going as is tradition 1st I want to say hi to the main countries and the main cities where they listened to the previous episode, which was episode 117. Uh, on that episode, uh, if you want to go and listen after this one, we talk about uh, the upcoming solo mode for Oceans, the board game, which I believe is it's already on, on the crowdfunding campaign, or if not, it's going to be soon. Uh, we are recording today. Uh, I always like to give you the date in that way it almost feels like a live situation. We are recording on Saturday, November the 5th. Uh, hopefully this episode will be live today. Um, and we also talked about The Thing uh, from Pentagon Game Studios and Planet Unknown from Adam Apples Games and Intrepid which is uh, made by, I always forgot the name of the publishers, I will tell I will tell you in a little bit once the episode goes. <laughs> but Yeah, we talk about Intrepid, uh, Planet Unknown, uh, the thing, uh, the board game, and we also talk about the upcoming Kickstarter for the solo mode for Oceans, the board game. I want to say hi to the main cities and, and countries uh, that, once again, the top on the list that... You were so kind and listened to the previous episode. United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, Spain, Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, Greece, and Mexico, of course. Uh, to the cities, uh, Red, uh, Red Deer, Alberta, Ottawa, Illinois, Dayton, Ohio, Perth, Western Australia, Frankfurt, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, Brighton, uh, Munich, uh, Brisbane, Queensland, and Jamaica Plain in Massachusetts. Those were the top cities from 203 cities actually that listened to the previous episodes and the countries were a total of 23 so wow i'm so humble and so appreciated that you know my voice and this podcast reached to many places (laughs) and uh and we get to talk about games remember that this podcast is part of the dice tower network so check out also the other podcasts from the dice tower because they are fantastic they're great all of them um also, just a quick reminder, you can follow us in our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm back on social media. I was on pause for a few weeks, but now I'm back and I'm constantly, you know, I'm going to be posting probably by you, where you're listening this episode, you can see the pictures of the games that I've been, I'm going to be talking about. Uh, last night, I was playing V Sabotage, which is the, I guess the new name <laughs> of the new crowdfunding campaign that it was based uh, through uh, V Commandos, that was the previous edition of this game. Um, the only difference is that this game now uh, comes with miniatures and with other expansions. It's fantastic. It's probably one of my favorite uh, tactical World War games. Uh, you know, it's made by Trilo Noir, and, of course, it has the Seal of Excellence from the Dice Tower Network. So anyway, um, so yeah, V Sabotage, highly recommended. Hopefully, in a future, I will talk about that game as well. As another tradition of the episode, since this is episode 118, i like to go back and talk about why we talk on episode 18 in this case, which is 100 episodes ago. Back then, I will tell you right now, it was on February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2019. And we talked, or I talked, about Batman, the animated series, Gotham City Under Siege by IDW. I still have that game on my collection. And actually, it's a game that I really, really like. Uh, of course, it's Batman, you might guess. And it's a big bias for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, it has one of the cool... I don't know. I think it's a tower defense mechanic. Because... It's very original how they, they included the IDW Publisher or the IDW Games Publishers, which it doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Uh, I really like how they um, gave you some uh, buildings, uh, co- I mean, kind of like a paper made or a little bit of very thin cardboard made. Uh, and you have those buildings that you place, and that's your main Gotham City, and it gives you that three-dimensional view on the table, which it looks pretty good. And then you have the main heroes, which is, of course, Batman, of course, uh, Robin, and then you have um, uh, Batgirl. You also had Catwoman, which it could be, um, you know, it could be also a hero most of the time or sometimes, depending on the comics that you're reading or the movies that you're watching or the shows that you're watching. Um, and you have Commissioner Gordon as well and the GCPD. So anyway, you have all the main rogue of villains uh, bringing their henchmen and their uh, baddies towards different, um, you know, areas of the city, north, south, east and west and with your heroes you're trying to go to each area and try to fight them and destroy them, make sure that at the end of the round there's no uh, villains or henchmen remaining there Uh, And then you can go on the top of the buildings. And if you you have Batman, you can throw the Batarangs or Batgirl as well. Robin has another abilities. Commissioner Gordon is very good as, you know, uh, kind of like a close um, combat. Because, of course, he won't go in the building, but on top of the rooftops, I'm sorry. Uh, But he will go to the areas and do do his job. So, anyway, uh, it's a great game. I I mean, it's been probably like at least six, seven months since I have brought that game to the table. But still in my collection... I still one that, you know, if I want to play a Batman game, that it will be on the main options. Of course, now we have, uh, you know, by IDW as well, um, the, anim- the animated series Shadow of the Bat, which was a big Kickstarter also. Similar to the Ninja Turtles, uh, The Changing Constant and Cityfall, which I also own, all those two all-in pledges. Um, designed by Kevin Wilson. And, and yeah, I mean, those are great games as well. Those are more like following the comics and TV shows and things like that. Uh, which eventually I will mention it as well once we go back and talk about that episode, 100 episodes after. after. Uh, but um, right now, just to know that Batman the Animated Series, uh, Gotham City Under Siege by IDW, is still my collection, It's still one of my beloved games there. And I actually, recently, I remodeled my game room. And I don't know if you have done this in the past, in uh, regardless of how many games you have, but it's <laughs> it could be a little bit... A little bit of piece of work, a little bit hectic at some point. Like I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't know how many games do I have right now. And I believe in one of the previous episodes, I gave you a walkthrough, audio walkthrough to my game room. But it was a whole, as I'm standing literally here in my game room and watching it, it was a whole um, hard work <laughs> to take all the boxes out of the calex you know, arrange them in the floor or wherever you were able, in this case I was on the floor in my gaming table. Then move those Calaxes to the other wall in that way I can have a more efficient space. Uh and then I'm, I'm put them back into the play that puzzle game or that Tetris game of trying to accommodate the big boxes, the small boxes, in that way you can have as most as most of your collection on display. Um and you know what? The results were pretty positive for me because now I feel like I can buy uh, uh actually three more calaxes, uh two of uh four um uh, cubes or four spaces two of them and then one of two singles which it will be on one of the sides uh and then on top of the calaxes I can play I can also place big boxes games and you know I'm I'm happy because now I have a little bit more space for games that are actually coming through today I received the Everdell the complete collection oh man that's a big big box and it's going to be a piece of work to organize everything and put all the stickers for the meeples and everything. But I cannot wait because last time I played Everdell was in 2020, I believe, which was when this uh, uh, campaign started. And I sold what I had for Everdell back then. It was like the main deluxe edition with uh, two boxes, two expansions. And I sold them just because I was backing this uh, Everdell, the complete collection, and since then i've been craving to play everdell uh, probably because i didn't own it anymore who knows but um I, i'm i'm eager to play so as soon as i have it all arranged and everything for sure i'm going to put some pictures in social media and and the game will be there but enough with my <laughs> with my intro in my life is there anything else we have to talk before we start with the episode actually yes yes because i've been like crazy on kickstarter as well uh and uh, there's a lot of interesting projects that i've been following um, that I've been backing, that I think you should listen to, and, you know, maybe you might be interested. Um, well, uh, right now I'm on the, on the episode, the most recent ones, uh, Forsaken by Game Trace Game. is basically like a Western Legends, but in the space. Very interesting that game, I backed it. Um, the Fox Experiment from by Pandasaurus Games uh, by Elizabeth Hargrave, same designer as Wingspan and Mariposas. I'm looking forward to it. Toss, toss most, t- um, I don't remember to see... I don't remember the name of the game, but you know which one I'm talking about. Um, so, The Fox Experiment. Loner Rush by our good friends uh, from Data live Games. Uh, Bernie, uh, you remember him from Jenkon and the episode from Jenkon and Omicron Protocol. Yep. Uh, he's not the designer on this one, but it's published by his company. So, Loner Rush. It's another one to keep on the radar. I already backed it. We are sinking social deduction game. Um, seems pretty fun, and, you know, you want to... You're want a pyrite and, and, and you know, the Kraken is there and it's all crazy crazy stuff. I mean, uh, I've been enjoying social deductions games recently, actually, now that I'm sometimes playing with a bigger group. They're so fun. Uh, Chicken, uh, I'm honestly just backing this small dice game just because it's made by Key Masters Games, uh, Campy Creatures, Parks. I love their components. I love their productions. Um, you know, a few designs from Henry Audubon, which I will tell you in a little bit, uh so I'm, I'm back in chicken check it out small game die of the dead solo expansion or the solo expansion and ofrenda variant of course this dice game it's based of course the theme is the dia de los muertos which is the day of the dead for us in mexico and maybe some places in latin america as well uh, but it's a big celebration in mexico the dia de los muertos and um, it's like for it's like comparing like uh in a more, a little bit more uh, different <laughs> celebration and more religious way uh, compared to Halloween, for example. But uh, uh, Dia de los is for us, the big thing. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm excited to try this game. Uh, by the name of the designer, I would guess he's not Mexican, but I'm eager to try it. I want to try it. want to play it and see, you know, how well the theme is implemented. I know on the pictures, it looks pretty nice with some coffins that you roll some dice there and, and then you go into... Um, you know, different routes on the game to get points. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for that one. Canvas, finishing touches. That's the last expansion for Canvas. I already own the, the, the base game with the, with the first expansion, so why not? We need to have the whole thing. Old sworn into the Deepwood 2nd Edition, of course. Big miniatures, gigantic miniatures. Uh, but it has very good reviews. Uh, some of the playthroughs that I've been watching, it seems like a pretty fun game with a pretty interesting, innovative... Uh, mechanic uh, combat mechanic so i know that you can choose between dice rolling or or basically playing with cards and kind of like a push your luck so i want to i want to see on that one i went just with the one dollar pledge manager just to see how it goes uh, but that's another one uh cos uh, cosmoctopus the board game that's by henry Audubon talking about key, key masters game henry Audubon is a designer of parks uh also from um there's another game from kickstarter games that i really like uh the uh, it's in the space park uh park something it's in the space basically but that's another one i'm trying to find it here in my gaming library in that way i can tell you uh space park there it is i found it <laughs> space park by henry ottoman i love his designs very easy you know very family the games he also uh did kingswood actually which is another very easy worker placement kind of game that's nice highly recommended so i'm back in this one for him just to see tesseract that's from Smirk and Loffer Games, the same people that made um, the Night Cage. Uh, you know the Spiel. Um, uh, Kurt covered. I recently talked to him on Jenkon. Probably you remember from the Jenkon episode as well. So Tesseract uh, Dice Management Game. It's a cooperative game. You get the option to pledge the dice metal games. And it's only for like 80 bucks or something more. I mean, it's it, the, the whole pledge is very cheap. I don't remember the exact amount, but comparing to what actually will cause you to get metal dice. And let me tell you, when I played that game on Gen Con and I felt those dice, I was like, man, this is fantastic. So anyway, I'm, I'm going the Race to the raft. the same people that made that made Isle of Cats. City of Kings, I think, is the polishers because City of the Kings is another game from them. Uh, race to the raft, which includes the miniatures for isle of cats and it has a different game now where you're trying to escape with those cats on the same i guess um, universe from, from the isle of cats so, so that's good of course of course my friends you were wondering cthulhu dead may die fear of the unknown that campaign is going crazy if you get season three uh you get a bunch of a stretch gold right now then you can get the unspeakable box which i don't own i only own season one season two so i'm eager to get the unspeakable box you can get baby cthulhu which is the big cthulhu um it's 180 i believe but now it comes pre-painted which is the cool thing if you have have a place to expose and show your baby cthulhu well why not (laughs) get it from there uh and they also are releasing a season four as well as an expansion and a bunch of kickstarter exclusives and I know, Simon or Kumini or not, they always do that, and in a way, I don't like it. But Cthulhu Dead May Die, I mean, it's not like a zombie side game. Cthulhu Dead May Die is actually one of my favorite games. So, I'm sorry, friends. I mean, I have to back it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't have any other option. Uh, And the last one that I want to talk about that I also, it's on my Kickstarter list, In the Heart of Darkness, In the Heart of Darkness by Moongrel. Um, basically a cooperative game very simple $44 is the pledge but it gives me that vibes that it will be one of those games that it kind of like oh I want to play something like Arkham Horror probably um, not as big of, of, of a complexity like Arkham Horror or Hell Horror uh, some something more simple and more straightforward, probably more fast. So that's the vibe that this game gave gives me. So I'm, I'm it's on my Kickstarter list, and that's it. And we're done with the Kickstarters. We are 15 minutes now into the episode, at least you know avoiding the the intro, the music, and the presentation by Eric Summer. But anyway, let's talk about games if you don't mind. So let's go, let's go right now into the main the main part of the of the episode, which is talk about board games. <laughs> And you may be wondering, talk about board games. What do you mean? We were talking about a bunch of board games. But yeah, now we're going to talk about the games that we're going to take over, and we're going to review the first one. is not a review per se, because this is a prototype version, and you will see a picture also on our social media. But I want to talk to you about this game that is currently a Kickstarter. Um, I'm sure if, in case you, when you're listening to this one, with this episode, it, the Kickstarter campaign already ended, well, just know that more than likely the Pledge Manager will be around soon, or it's already, uh, the late Pledge, I'm sorry, it's already live, so you might want to jump into if this sounds uh, interesting to you. And the game that I want to talk to you about, it's Pampero. Pampero, it's a game uh, designed by Julian Julian Pombo, and the artist is Ian O'Toole. Ian O'Toole, he always does a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic job when it comes to art on the games i mean i cannot stop talking or oh, most of the eagle griffon games especially the vita la cerda have eno two uh, on mars a beautiful ENO two art um you know you're talking about this pampero the prototype even looks beautiful weather machine beautiful art so i feel like you know and this is weird if you will ask me like derek you know you want to own a collection from some designers, right? Like my favorites, Adam Kwiapinski from, of course, from Nemesis. Um, I don't know, Martin Wallace. You know, you want to own most of those designer games because you, you, you get to marry, in a way, with, with some designers. But I have never thought and stuff about, well, what about an artist? You know, a designer, a uh, graphic designer, or an, or an artist, whoever does the art on the games. Ian O'Toole is definitely one that if I have to... Try to go in that route in getting a section of my gaming library just based on the art. Definitely, definitely Ian O'Toole will be on on, on the top, you know, to make my choice. Uh, What's going on with Pampero? Well, uh, of course, uh, from the description from the designer, uh, Pampero is a hand-management, card-driven action selection game. Every player has a starting set of 8 cards to be played on their own tableau, which contains 2 rows of of spaces to activate actions on the different sectors of the board. Each turn, you have the option to play a card to the leftmost empty space of either row, or to retrieve all cards from your tableau. After 3 actions, a special phase takes place. Consolidation during which you retrieve the rightmost most car from any row, generate batteries from stored energy, collect income, and advance the game timer. The player with the most money at the end of the game wins. This is a description from the designer, my friends. So on Pampero, we're trying to build some sort of like windmills, you know, and, and we're trying to also build some energy towers and things like that in order to get the most money. We're companies after all, and this is all based on the Uruguay region because the board is going to be uh divided in some in some regions actually i think this is very interesting from the this is from the bgg As well, uh, with non-natural resources, the government of Uruguay is concerned about the country's dependence on imported fossil fuels. As a consequence, it is seeking to increase the share of domestic resources, of which the most feasible are biomass and wind energy, as well as employing end-use energy efficiency measures to increase its energy security. In addition, the government aims to use the intended growth of the domestic energy sector to foster its other objectives of increasing economic economic growth and creating employment. This is an extract from the World Bank documents uh, from a case study eleven, Uruguay wind energy program. So anyway, I think it was very interesting. I found this on Kickstarter. You can you can look at it as well if you look at the game. I think it was very interesting. Uh, that they go even further, you know, about the folklore in the game and and tell you more about what's going on and where you're trying to achieve it. That's also, that's always nice on on the lore, on the lore of the game. Uh, Let me give you the the specifics of Pampero. It has an 8.2 right now. Now, keep in mind, this is BGG, and keep in mind as well that it's just a few people that have actually, you know, played the prototype version of the game. It's going to be released in 2023, uh it's on the hotness which i think that will be something important right now it's on the on the place 39 uh it's one to four players uh, it it has an estimation time of 60 to 150 minutes per uh, per session a medium heavy game uh, Recommended for a 14 year old plus definitely language dependency um and you know it has a and the classification of course it will be um have different mechanisms what are we going to be doing uh well we're going to be one to four players of course, of course like i mentioned and we're going to be taking the role of, of those uh, power uh, companies seeking to earn the most money by improving power distribution in uruguay um, by the way the publisher of this game is ape game studios or ape which is ape games uh, which is are the ones that are crowdfunding uh the pampero um, they, like I mentioned before, the board will show um, uh, Uruguay divided into six sectors, which are classified into zones. Uh, they're gonna be rural, they're gonna be industrial and resort, and uh, urban sectors as well. And each sector has different construction sites for players to build either wind farms or electrical tower. And there are uh, construction sites, um, you know, some construction sites for suitable for for either. Uh, There are also several spaces allocated for a variety of contracts, which players will need to fulfill, uh, you know, during the game in order to increase your income, which at the end, those are going to be victory, uh, victory points. Each player will have their own large uh, power grid and income board. And, you know, it will have also a board with some actions that you can choose. And, of course, a set of eight cards that is going to be basically your action cards that you can use in your turn. Uh, because, like I mentioned before, you can place a card or pick them up Pick them up. all. And when you place a card, you can put it either on the bottom, on the bottom of that uh, board or above on the upper part of that board to do different actions and you have to pay the cost um but it it always has to be the leftmost one okay now keep in mind before i keep talking that this is not a tutorial of course this is more like just to give you an idea and talk to you about the idea of pampero Uh, you know the game is going to be a player uh, play it over our different rounds. Uh, you know you're gonna be doing the action phase first, and then the consolidation phases, which is what we talk about in the intro. Um, depending on where you are on the time track, uh, there might be sometimes when you're gonna be scoring points at the end of the of the income phase. Okay, there's gonna be three scoring phases, which they're gonna be triggered during the game. And the game ends after the third and final scoring phase. And whoever has the most money will will win the game. During the action phase, each player performs three action. And they're going to be performing turn order. Okay? And you have the different options that you can can do. You can either play an action from your hand. uh, You can retrieve all your cards. Or... Uh, pass and, and take a battery, which it will be some sort of our resources as well. In most actions, you will have to, you will like to uh, play an action card because why not? You will get better rewards. Uh, you will start the game, like I mentioned, with a, a hand of eight cards, and you're going to be deciding which cards you're going to be placing uh, in order to build uh, windmill farms or electrical towers or fulfilling different types of contracts that we're gonna, they're going to ask you for some requirements. When playing a card, like I mentioned, you play it to the leftmost space, either top or bottom, and then you do the action and you pay the cost, depending on the action that, that you are you are placing. Now, it's interesting that, once again, remember, I told you, the board is going to be divided in different zones, so where you, where you play your card, that also is going to determine a zone where you're going to be doing that action. So it's not like, okay, I want to do this action, but I want to do it there. No, it's restricted to where uh, you're placing that card. That's why the importance of playing from left to right and when to play those different actions. So that can also be a little bit of a strategy or a lot of a strategy while, while thinking about your turn and as well to make sure that the other players, you know, didn't went to that those spots as well um, on the board. And, and yeah, like I mentioned, um, you, you will be doing that. In addition uh, to wind farms, you can also build, if you like, electrical towers. Um, there will be multiple actions that allow you to fulfill the contracts uh, since there are a lot a lot a lot of contract types that you can that you can basically achieve or fulfill uh, with their demands um, there they're gonna be different types uh, one could be the remote one could be the standard foreign and solar contracts uh, to fulfill those to fulfill these ones you have to be on the zone um, and and this and you you must choose to have either a sector uh, with both an electrical Power electrical tower and available contract in the matching contract type on the action card and of course your power grid must be sufficient sufficiently developed this will mean that you have built uh, you know enough to fulfill that contract and once again, depending on the type, it could be a residence, a factory, a resort, a commerce uh, or a solar contract and then uh, all players we we all going to start with a with a tower build with a build a tower build. Uh, and, uh, and one residence, and one remote and solar uh, residence as well. But then we will have to build more electrical towers to unlock the others so we can fulfill different types of contracts to increase the income, which, once again, this will be the main source of income, in order to win the game. At the end of the game, of course, whoever has the most income will be the winner. Uh, and yeah, and that's basically the whole... The whole idea of the game, I mean, it's hard because, once again, it's a very, very strategic uh, medium level euro game but yeah basically you're going to be taking actions you want you're going to be strategizing which action play based on that personal board top bottom starting from the left side in that way you can go to different zones trying to fulfill contracts to get those incomes as well trying to get their resources you know to build the towers to build the windmill so there's a lot of strategy going on there now there's a solo mode which um basically you're gonna be uh, sort of like competing against an opponent and your opponent will be VJ. VJ is your opponent that you will be trying to to defeat during the solitary mode and VJ does not is not gonna play cards to take actions. They will be following an action selection system. So depending on what you're doing, they're gonna be doing some other stuff. Um, and of course you will be uh, VJ will have an action deck. Uh, you know, basically matching the majority of objectives, and then depending on what you're doing, they will have a diagram as well. Of what to decide? Uh, VJ, uh, he's gonna generate batteries and income as just as another player, and they would he will do or he or she will do different actions as well, depending on the options that he or she has. And at the end of the game, of course, uh, if you have uh, more money than VJ, well. You you will be the winner, and if not, well, Vijay will take control of that sector with his company of Uruguay. Um, like I said, there's a lot on the game. The art, first of all, is fantastic. And keep in mind, this is the prototype version. The art by Ian O'Toole is great. It's just great. I mean, I cannot wait to see the final production of this game. Pampero is definitely not for everyone. I don't think I don't think it's for everyone because I've, when when I think about Euro games, I think about and this is a weird way to say it, but I think about normal euros, right? Normal euro games that you know that basically you have a worker worker placement, you have research management, but they don't involve too much difficulty. I don't know. I, I can I can it, it comes to mind. Uh, let's talk, for example, Raiders of the North Sea, right? I mean, you 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 place a worker, you do something, you pick up a worker, which. Will, placing or picking the worker you you get something right then you go into area control games i don't know i'm going to mention for example uh blood rage right you're trying to do certain things It's still in a euro mechanic you have wingspan as well some of euro mechanics kind of like a normal ish. but then you have these complex euro games You try to take you, you you start to take step forward right you have like those series of T games for example teotihuacan uh of course by daniel tassinis and mon luciani you have terracotta army by adam kapinski Um, you know you have origins as well so you're trying to increase the difficulty and then somewhere around there you have the eagle griffon games by vita lacerda this is definitely gives you this feeling julian pampero definitely uh julian pombo i'm sorry definitely um, achieve that level of complexity that some of the games or most of the games from vita lacerda will give you um it has a lot of thinking First of all, on your board, right? With that, those, end, those, those eight uh, uh, cards that you have in your hand that you begin the game with, I mean, just there, the decisions that you're going to be making as far as placing in you know, a top or bottom to go to different zones on the board, just there, it's a whole game and a whole concept of trying to make sure that you make the right decisions because then... Most likely, and it happens to me, most likely once you play some cards and you're advancing on your board, you're like, oh man, now I'm in this zone, but I wish I could have played this action, which now I didn't have because I played it before. Or, uh, of course, you can tell, well, now I pick up my cards. Yes, but now if you want to go further on that board from left to right, well, you have, you're going to have to work, work your way through it, right? Playing actions until you build all the way to the end, um, it gives me I know it's very different, but it gives me the same feeling as to when I played sulkin uh, you know, with the gear that okay, you wanna take this action, the gear's gonna keep advancing, but you wanna have you wanna make sure that you have enough to get that far. Well, the same thing here, even if they're completely different and, and, and it's a different mechanic, different everything. It's just the vibe that it gave me, right? Kind of like, oh man, when do I pull the trigger? When do I pick up my cards? i can i mean i might i can go most of the game also just playing like one two actions pick it up one two actions pick it up it's going to be very hard because you're going to be very limited to certain contracts but that's one of the decisions then on the board you have the different zones as well where you have to think very carefully where you're going to build your towers your windmills right the contracts they also play just just trying to fulfill the requirements of the contracts you know it's another big piece of chunk on the game um and in the solo mode, the solo mode works very smoothly, and once again, I encounter some stuff on the solo mode, so I'm like, "Okay, what if this, what if that?" because it has those solo modes that has like type of kind of like a diagram way of of making the decisions for the for v j in this case more 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 than anything, everything was pretty straightforward, I guess I would say, but I can definitely see there you know, polishing some rules on the solo mode just to make sure that everything works 100% fine. Uh, It was fun, though. I I didn't feel like I was playing a beat-your-own-score game by any means. I felt like I was playing versus an opponent, and that is something that I really appreciate in games when it gives me that feeling of, okay, I'm not beating my own score, because then it it, it comes a little bit, at least to me, a little bit boring. I want to have... I want I want the solo mode to simulate that if I was playing with someone and that that someone is playing very smart. And definitely Pampero and, and VJ, <laughs> the, the Automa player, give me, uh, accomplish that. It gives me that sensation of <clears throat> like, yeah, I'm playing with someone in my gaming table. Um, the game overall, I think it was great. I think, I, I don't think I will play this game with more than three people, if that helps you with something decision, I guess. Um, just because, first of all, you have to find the right <laughs> type of people that you are going to play this game with people that love Euros. If you're not someone that loves Euros, then this might, this might not be a game for you. But if you love Euros and you're always up to the challenge and you, not, and you like Lacerda games, then definitely, definitely. Like I said, Julian Pombo did a great job here and the people from Ape Games as well. Um, it's definitely a good a medium. We'll be back after a quick break. it doesn't quite work. And you, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off? The, uh. way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Heavy um, Eurogame. The theme is original. I like it. I mean... I'm glad that they went with this theme. I actually appreciate uh, the designer going above and beyond, and in this case, like in BGG, like I told you, um, giving you that real life lore, I guess or situation regarding regarding the theme on the game. The game is very thematic, and the theme is there. The game, the theme, uh, is definitely attached to the game, and that's that's a perfect connection that we're always looking on games. Uh, things that I um. I probably didn't or I'm not that i didn't like but i will be worrying about on my future sessions in the game it's the ap the analysis paralysis just because this might be one of those games that uh, i mean the other player is gonna take some time to decide depending on the type of player that you are but this might take some time as it could be this game uh could tend to be long sessions this game Will be the game of the night, right? Like when you're having game night or you're hosting game nights, you probably will bring some feelers at the beginning, but the big the big chunk of stake will be will be um, will be this game. Um, so yeah, there you have it. Uh, the, once again, I'm gonna mention it again the art and the components. Being a prototype game, uh, they are fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of videos out there right now where you can see playthroughs uh on bgg there's actually an article a review that is very 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 good very well written and it has a bunch of pictures i believe the person that read that that write that article i don't know if he or she was at essen i think it was an essen or pax or jencon one of those uh and julian showed the game and it's basically a review from there um and and yeah i mean the the game the, the 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 game it's it's good it's it's a good game definitely um Am I eager and looking forward to see the final production? Definitely. Is this going to be a game that I will add uh, to my library? Most likely. Most likely because um, I really enjoy the solo mode. And a two-player game of this, it's very, very, very smooth. Because even if there's some AP, you don't have to weigh that much, if that makes sense. So my playthroughs were mostly two players. And it worked fantastic. And when I tried it solo mode, also works very, very, very well. So hope you check it out. If you listen this on time, still on the campaign, check it out. If not, right now, when you're listening, hopefully there's a late pledge. If no, I'm sure that this game will hit uh, to retail as well. So this is a game that you want to keep on your radar. Once again, this was Pampero from Ape Games. Let's move into the other game right now, which is another, once again, another review game that I was sent completely free. And I was a little bit, I mean, yeah, whatever, if I tried or not, but I got a big surprise. I'm not going to tell you right now if it's good or bad, but I got a big surprise. So let's talk about the game. Caesar's Empire is the game, Caesar's Empire, and it's designed by Matthew Podevin, and the art is by Alexandre Bonvalot and Joel Dranz. I hope I pronounced correctly. And this is published by Holy Grail Games based on the Asterix universe now i'm going to tell you something about the Asterix universe in a little bit once we start to put all the pieces together let's go to bgg has a 7.2 over there it was released in 2022 rank overall is 5261 two to five players 30 to 60 minutes the complexity is very light 1.3 out of 5 for age 10 year plus no language dependence um and you know pretty pretty simple game what is going on? Caesar's Empire is a two to five players game about building roads for the glory of Rome. Caesar's Empire is said in the word of the beloved comic series, Asterix. However, and this was one of my comments, instead of playing as one of the indomitable Gauls this time around, you'll be siding with the great Julius Caesar. As a member of his entourage, you've been tasked with expanding the limits of his empire. The one who brings the most glory to Rome Remember this: all roads lead to Rome. Remember this again: all roads lead to Rome. (laughs) The one who brings the most glory to Rome will be there richly rewarded. In Caesar's Empire, you will be building roads to connect Rome to new cities across the board. Each time you build a road, you will score points. Every new city you reach will uh, will uh, provide. Uh, city and treasure tokens and will be worth points at the end of the game the game ends when rome is connected to every city on the board after adding the value of the city and treasure tokens to the points scoring during the game the player with the most points wins caesar's empire okay asterix universe in the art, that's it. Forget about everything else. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not a fan of the comics. I mean, I I remember growing up seeing some of them. I even remember being a little kid, and this is <laughs> interesting. Uh, uh, it's still in, in Mexico. Uh, I remember very early. It probably was Derek was like what like um, seven, six, seven years. My mom used to take me on Sundays to a magazine store where they would sell comics. And back then, it wasn't like, you know, I'm going to read these, uh, um, I don't know, the Batman 52 arch of of comics. No, I mean, you would go and buy a random comic, and that was it. Probably wasn't marketing in Mexico. It was more like, you buy a comic, it's basically a story that um, starts and ends, and that's it. So, I remember picking up some of these comics, and, and, you know, I mean, yes, I, I remember enjoying them. I even don't remember what was going on, but I remember enjoying them. I remember, and I could be wrong, but I believe there was a TV show or a cartoon um for for asterix uh, and obelix i think it was um also a brief memories i mean i i don't i don't know anything about it so i will be lying to you but all i know is that it's not like you're going into an adventure or anything no i mean the art is there and that's it and and it's cute it's nice it's, it's great i'm gonna spoil you that i like the art on the game um but um but yeah, I just wanted to, to, to let you know, what are we going to be doing? Well, this is a networking connection game. That's it. You're going to get one of the characters, uh, you know, and, and, a board, basically, which one of these characters that you're going to play once again. This is a game that you can play up to five players. And depending, uh, if you're playing with three or more players, you're going to have one side of the board, which it will be ROM in the middle and all the city connected. Uh, then if if you want to play two players, well, I'm sorry, three or less players, you're going to have one side, four or five players the other side. Basically, it just like constrict the spaces a little bit more. Uh, then you're going to have ROM in the middle of the board and you're going to have a bunch of cities. At the beginning of the game, you're going to be, f- um, you know, mixing different zones, different tiles that they will correspond to uh, color and number of each region of of, of of the empire, right? And you're gonna be placing those city tokens on their different regions, and also on top of those city tokens, you're gonna shuffle some uh, treasure tokens, and you're gonna place them, uh, you know, uh, face down on each city. Uh, on your turn, what you're gonna do? You're gonna start with a bunch of minis, a bunch a bunch of minis that they are all in horses, because of course, that's the way that people. Uh, used to travel back then they didn't have teslas they didn't have bmw's they didn't have (laughs) nissan they didn't have cars he was all horses so anyway uh and on your turn you're gonna have your your horses miniatures, and you're gonna try of course to um you know reach rome so on your turn you're gonna decide uh to connect rome with any other city but you have to start on rome all right so let's say you decide to go up north, you're gonna play uh two horses minis and you're gonna connect to a city. You're gonna grab that city tile and that treasure tile and that the, that I'm sorry token and the treasure token, you're gonna place it on your board. On your personal board, you're gonna have different um, sections where you're gonna be placing uh treasure tokens. Uh it's gonna be uh different types of treasure tokens actually. It's gonna be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Different type of treasure tokens. So uh, that board is going to have uh, circular spots that they can go horizontal or vertical. And then at the bottom, you're also going to have a track where you're going to place gold. Gold are going to be mixed with those treasure tokens that you're going to be picking up when you reach a city. Uh, let's say you your treasure it's a diamond well or a gem. You're going to place the gem on one column. The second gem that you get further in the in the in the game, you're going to place it on the same gem column, but now the one on the top most space, and now probably is gonna start to give you points towards the end of the game. The most that you can get on a column go- going t- uh, from bottom to top, it's twenty points. And from left to right, uh, p- placing these treasure tokens by different ones, like let's say you're gonna you're gonna uh, eventually get a row of different types of treasures, and in, in your personal grid. Well, the further you go on the road, the more points. For example, if you collect one, two, three, four, five different types of treasures, you're going to get 14 points at the end of the game. And remember, every time that you connect a city or you connect to a city, you're going to get the city tile, which I will explain you how to score, and treasure tokens as well. Um, If you get gold, well, you're going to place it on the gold uh, track, and gold is going to trigger an interesting part on the game, which I will explain you in a little bit. So anyway, let's say I connect the first city. Now I'm going to get points immediately for the number of horses or miniatures that I have on that road to Rome. So in this case, since I'm the first player and I connected just just one city to Rome and I have two horses, well, I get two points right away. Let's say on a future round, from that city that I connected, I'm going to connect to another city that it's is three spaces away, right? So I'm going to place three horses. I'm going to get the new tile on the city. I'm going to get the new treasure token. I place it on my grid. But now, immediately, I'm going to score 5 points. Why? Because now, from the one that I just connected, there's 5 miniatures on my way to Rome. Now, let's pretend that I placed 3 there on this new city. On a city that isn't Rome, but a city that is connected to Rome. I place my 3 uh, horses there. But the one that connected that city to Rome was the other player on my right. Well, now I'm going to get 3 points, but that player is going to score 2 points. Now, if the treasure that I retrieved from that city that I connected it's a coin... That means that every miniature from that city connected all the way to Rome is going to score double, so that 's the whole bonus of the coins all right uh, You always want to take the shortest part or, or connect the shortest part or score the shortest part from the city that you just connected to uh, to Rome. So remember when I told you all the roads leads to Rome. you have to be connecting to Rome or Rome every time, and at, as soon as all the cities are connected to Rome, the game ends. Now, how are you going to score the cities at the end of the game? Remember, there's different areas on the map. So let's say I have all the tiles from the gray area. That means that only me visited from the gray area or from the north area, all the cities. Well, that means that I will add all the values of the cities. The cities usually will have values of one, two, three, four, five, six. I will add all those values. And at the end, that will be my, my scoring point. If we, you and I, let's say we have city titles from the same region, then you and I, we're going to choose our highest value one. And those are going to be the points that we're going to get in this case come differently to me, uh, you know, owning all that area. And since it's you and I probably have the six, you have the five. So that means six points for me, five points for you. So that's how the, the strategy also comes in play and that's it that's basically the whole game on caesar's empire once again this is a a game that it was uh sent to me completely free by our friends of uh holy grail games and um and yeah um you know that that's the that's the game what do i think about the game It's. i know it sounds too simple but that's it i freaking loved it i loved it i played two players three players four players Fantastic, fantastic! A big, big surprise, positive surprise of the year so far. It's a great game. Um, on by the way, on Pampero, I didn't rank the game from zero to five just because it's the prototype version, and more than anything, I wanted to talk to you about the game that is currently on on the crowdfunding campaign. On these games that I'm going to be talking about now, I'm going to rate them because they were final productions and everything was done, and I played them multiple times. Um. Caesars Empire played it, like I said, two players, three players, four players. I loved it. The components are fantastic. The tokens, very normal, standard quality. The miniatures are great. They come in different colors, which is fantastic. Uh, very detailed, very nice detail. The board is it's very nice, uh, colored, very simple to follow. Uh, on the personal boards, there's... I mean, you can basically explain the game as you're setting up the game. And that's something that I love. The rule book is that it's a basically you open uh, two pages, and that's the rule book. That's it. There's nothing more. Um, the game makes sense right away. You can play this game with uh, non gamers, uh, heavy gamers, new gamers, uh, whatever you want. With your parents, whoever you want to play. This is a, a great um, getaway game, a great window game that you can invite someone over. A door game, like hey, come over. I want to show you this hobby that is not a Monopoly. Yeah, this is or Jenga. This is a great game. This is a great game that I can take to a to a bar if I want. If I'm hanging out in a bar with two or three friends, I can take that game and play that game in the bar. I can play the game on Thanksgiving, you know, with people or family or friends. I can play that game during Christmas or whatever. I can play this game just in an evening with, with my wife. I mean or, or friends, like they wanna play just a light game. This could be the opening game of a gaming session. We can play Caesar's Empire and then, you know, we go to someone else. Now Here's the interesting about Caesar's Empire, though. Even if it's a light game, even if the decisions, they won't take too much time and everything will score right away, still has enough strategy that it will kind of like hook you into the game, right? Enough strategy, like, okay, well, now I feel like the right choice for me is to connect this city to this other one. The problem will be that if it's a coin, I'm going to score double, but it's only going to be, I don't know certain amount of points for me but i'm going to give a lot of points to the player in red and that will player in red is the one that is winning so there's a lot of decisions like that but i love how easy the designers they made it and at the same time the strategy of placing the miniatures um has great presence on the table uh like i said the art is is fantastic uh and and, and like i said when i got this game for review purposes i was like i mean i mean looks cool but yeah whatever Wow, I mean, I'm very happy that I got it and I'm very happy that I played it and, and you know, and and, and that I, I played it multiple times because I I cannot recommend enough this game. Um, bad things about the game? Nothing. I don't see any flaw on the game. I don't. I really don't. Um, my only flaw will be if someone doesn't like network connecting games. But even that, it's a game that you can play, a four-player game, you will play it in, in 40 minutes? At most, 45 minutes, like, exaggerating. So, I mean... Even if you don't like those type of games, I mean, it's only 40 minutes. It's not like we're going to talking about playing Mage Knight for three hours. I mean, no. I mean, this is, that's it. It's quick. Uh, I mean, I recommend it definitely. For me, this game, uh, man, I'm very close to give it a 5 out of 5 just because how good it is. And I think I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna give this game five out of five. I mean, it's great for the category. It's a great family game. It's an easy game. You know, it's it's you can get it to the table. I mean, it's definitely five out of five for me. I was debating between the four point five, but I don't see enough. I mean, I don't see enough to bring it down to four point five. I mean, it's it's just it's 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 very well done and and in a comp it accomplished what it's looking for and and I don't see people playing and disliking this game that's one thing like i'm trying to imagine from from the friends that i have like um okay i mean i'm gonna play with someone that i think it would dislike this game no I, I mean i think it's pretty easy and sometimes it's nice to play these easy games and have fun and and you know but still have some strategy and and, and when the game finishes like okay it was so fast and it was so good that now you're thinking well probably i didn't i shouldn't make that decision um so let's play it again so it's that type of game so that's why that's it. I think this is a perfect for a Christmas gift. <laughs> this is a good one, Caesars Empire. Now, if you have a friend that likes the Roman Empire and all that stuff, all the all the all the theme, well, uh, this is no brainer. I mean, they're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. You're gonna have a blast. You're gonna go to their house and it's like, oh yeah, actually, this is the type of game that I will give as a gift to people that are non gamers, friends that are non gamers. In the way, like, hey, you know, I, 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 I this is a gift, you know, for Christmas or whatever. And then I will teach the, I will teach them the game. And then when I know when I go to their house. Now we're gonna play Caesars Empire where we're having a beer or something, you know? So yeah. Check it out. Check it out. I though I guess the only negative which is not a negative, this isn't just me being spoiling. I mean, and I don't see how that would work. Um if 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 you if you got a solo mode, but I mean, yeah, no, this is not a solo game. <laughs> so so anyway, that was Caesars Empire. Uh you got it, and 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 yeah, let's talk about another game that I was given to for review purposes uh on Jenkon actually. Uh, And I had a blastering interview. You can check it out on the Jenkon episode. Um, And I'm referring to uh, Tiny Epic Dungeons. Tiny Epic Dungeons. It's a game that was released on 2021. Of course, by Gambling Games from the Tiny Epic series. Um, 1 to 4 players, 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, Medium complexity, 14-year-old plus. It has some language dependence, for sure. And I would say modern language dependence, symbol dependence, because, yeah, there's a lot of symbols and iconography on this game. Um, and uh, it's, it's on, uh, it was released in 2021, ranked overall 1,120, uh, and it has a 7.7 by the rating of, of uh, BGG. Tiny Epic Dungeons is a fully cooperative dungeon crawler for 1 to 4 players, set in the fantasy world of achmor in Tiny Epic Dungeons, players control a band of heroes exploring a treacherous dungeon in search of a fe- of the fearsome dungeon boss. Heroes make their way through the dungeon one room at a time. Around every corner, goblins and ferocious minions seek to block the hero's path. Where there isn't an enemy, traps are set, ready to spring on even the most prepared heroes. Tiny Epic Dungeon features a modular dungeon that is unique with each play, the game is played over two acts, the dungeon and the dungeon boss. In both acts, the player are constantly struggling against the warning firelight of their torch, which decreases each turn. When the torch goes out, the heroes are forever lost in the darkness. After clearing the dungeon of all its minions and finding the entrance to the lair, the players must engage in an epic battle against the boss. Each boss has unique abilities and a lair with a unique environment that gives various advantages and disadvantages depending on the skill used and where the hero attacks from. These epic monsters cannot be slain by mere swords, axes, arrows, and the occasional spell. Ritual rooms around the dungeon must be used to lower their magical bond to the dungeon. The dungeon boss must be lured to these rooms to lower their defense and allow the heroes to strike the final blow victory in tiny epic dungeons is achieved by defeating the dungeon boss in order to do that the heroes will need to collect the legendary loot and supreme spells heroes of all crafted loot to honor the ways of their clans bear lion phoenix and panther heroes can discover pieces from these ancient sets that grow more powerful the more you collect Will you be the greatest warrior to bear clan has ever seen, or will you make the panther clan proud by attacking your prey and striking with surprising force unseen before the moment of impact? The story is yours to tell in tiny epic dungeons. Whew. That was a long description from the publisher. Pretty much keep my, <laughs> my whole review and my whole description of the game. Uh, Tiny Epic Dungeons. Uh, like once again, big disclosure. I got this on on Gen Con. Um uh, It was for for review purposes, um, and it came with the neoprene mat and the big mat for the center of the table, the neoprene the Neo mat for the, uh, the the basically the player board, uh, the deluxe edition, and with the stories expansion. I haven't played the stories expansion. I opened it, however, and I saw what was inside, and I will tell you, you know, my thoughts. But basically. On tiny epic dungeons, if you want to play solo, which it was the main the main uh, way that I played this game, and the, the 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 approach review for this will be that you will select two heroes. In this case, um, I selected the um, the wizard and the guy, the basically almost like the barbarian type of guy, right? The paladin, in a way. Anyway. So you have your heroes, that's, you know, if if every every hero will have different slots uh, for the two hands and certain items that they can carry in some spells. The heroes will also have attributes, and they will have different skills and abilities. There's a lot of iconography on this game, like a bunch. But anyway, um, you're going to start the game, you're going to have the main entrance, and then every time that you have basically a tile, which will be your entrance, you will place face down different uh, dungeon rooms you know, surrounding that area uh, on an orthogonal way, never diagonal. And on your turn, most likely, you're going to spend your turn moving and exploring. When you move into a room, you reveal it, and then you move in there. Now, uh, when you reveal that room, it could be either a, a goblin, and then you're going to, you know, basically reveal, you have, you can have up to four goblins before you lose the game. But anyway, you're going to bring that goblin, um, and, and you're going to place it there, the goblin is gonna go into a certain, extra, certain area on the on the game board or outside the game board if you don't have the the print mat board, but if you do, it they're gonna to go to a certain area, and then that goblin is gonna have an ability when it triggers, like how, how how far they can travel, what they can do on their turn to damage you, basically. Uh, but you have the chance as well to kill him if you get a goblin, they will attack you right away by surprise, like hey, I was here hiding from before you, waiting for you to come and defeat you. Uh, if it's a trap, then you have to also have a test to hopefully, uh, you know, evade the trap, and also you can perform a test to close that that trap, in the way when someone comes into that tile again, they don't fall into that trap, right? Uh, and then, once you get into a new room, you're gonna, from the main deck, depending on the scenario that you're playing, or or, or the campaign that you're playing, you're gonna reveal more rooms to place them face down surrounding The area that you are in now. And that's the way that you're going to be exploring the dungeon. Once again, like on the description, the whole idea is to find, uh, to defeat enough enough minions, depending on the number of players, for the first act. So, for example, on on a solo mode with two players, most likely you will have to defeat two minions. And um, those minions will be appearing as you keep exploring the dungeon, as you can guess. Uh, And once you defeat those minions, you're going to place them on, on top of the um, card that has the act one and once you have both, two of them and you find the door or the layer door that is shuffle into the main deck of, of, of um, rooms that you're going to be exploring once you reveal the layer and you, you kill enough uh, minions then you can go into the boss layer basically uh, and on the boss layer is also going to have another card where you're going to be traveling to different sections but you can do different damage the problem is that the boss has some altars as well and in order to Make enough damage to the boss, you have to bring those altars into his lair, and the way that you can do that is basically attracting the boss away from his lair and the way you can do some damage or be more powerful uh on the game um and that's it that's that's basically it i mean the idea of the game is pretty simple uh every time that you kill uh a, a goblin or or a minion or 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 that you uh overcome a trap. I mean, most likely you're going to get rewards. And when you're, when you're getting from the loot deck, is basically uh, different types of things that belongs to a different clan. Like we talked in the description, the Phoenix Clan, the Bear Clan, um, you know, the Panther Clan. And you can find like a cape, or you can find a shield, or a sword, things like that, that will help on your attributes. That two attributes more than likely will be for rolling dice. Uh, also, it has a cool mechanic that on the dice, when you roll them, you can, like most in the Tiny Epic series, you can uh, spend them instead of for the result to get more resources like energy that will help you to trigger certain abilities that are just for your character or for certain items as you're getting them, or spells, or uh, you can get, uh, you know, you can reheal as well. So you can spend those dice. Instead of the value, they have like little hearts or little thunders for energy or, or health to recover a little bit. Um, once you're done with your turn, you have another um, card Once again, if you have the mat, the new print mat, you have a a specific place to place it, um, and you're going to be lowering that torch. And that basically simulates you go then further down, further down, further down on the dungeon. Every time that you advance that torch to a space that has a symbol, well, something will happen. Either bring more goblins uh, to to uh, to the entrance of the dungeon or 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 some damage or something. They will cause something depending on the scenario that you're playing. Once again, if you're playing with stories, it's more like a campaign thing. Uh, and the game will end as soon as the torch goes all the way to the bottom or if both of your characters are defeated or uh, if um, you have to place goblins but there's no uh, more goblins to place. Like I said, there's only four on the, on, the, on the first few scenarios. There's only four that you can place. But if you have to place a fifth one, that means that you didn't kill them. You took a lot of time to kill them and you basically were escaping. Well, Ideally, thematically, that's how you lose the game. And that's it. I mean, the idea of Tiny Epic Dungeons, is it, it, it's like that. It's very thematic, dungeon crawler. You go and explore, try to kill the baddies, try to save the day, try to kill the boss, and, and, and that's it. Once again, the stories ones, they will give you more uh, content and more like playing a, sort of like a campaign game where your character will evolve and the story will keep following. The thing with this game is that the idea is simple. But there's a lot of iconography, and this is the third time that I mentioned on this review. There's a lot of stuff that you um you have to pay attention to and this is jumping now to the conclusions in my review part of the game um so there's symbols for every single thing that you can imagine first of all, the attributes which that's no brainer i mean you have you know you have your melee you have your range you have your your strength to do a craft certain you know uh spells and things like that depending on the type of character that you're choosing you have your energy you have your health those are fine the problem is that on the on every um uh, it's not a problem the thing is that from every room uh there's icons so now you have to go and make sure that after you play a few times you will get it like right away but on your first plate, on your first sessions you're going to be discovering symbols and icons that now you're going to go to a rule book which little is like four pages of icons to see like, okay, okay, okay. Ah, this is what it triggers. Okay, it triggers here too. Okay, kind of like a, kind of like a checkpoint <laughs> way of doing things. So there's a lot of iconography as well. And that could be something that could be a pushback for some people. This That's a, probably the, the part that I dislike more from the game. Not that I... Not that that takes me away from the game or makes the game bad, but it's just something that I, need. I think is worth mentioning. That on the first sessions there's going to be a lot of iconography. After a few sessions, that won't be a problem. The other thing uh, for this game is that I tend to like Tiny Epic games. Honestly, I, I do. Um, this one, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you right now, I did like it, but I feel like I was lucky enough, and once again, thank you, thank you so much to Tiny Epic, and this is something that you might want to take into consideration if you want to jump into Tiny Epic Dungeons. All the other games from Tiny Epic that they have neoprene mats, or not even Tiny Epic, just a bunch of games that they have neoprene mats, sometimes, or most of the time, they replace the, the cardboard map, basically. Or it's more like a cosmetic thing. For this game, I feel like it's necessary. The main game mat, it's definitely very, very, very well done. Very well done. I mean, it's definitely, you can check on Instagram, the pictures, and Facebook Uh, When we play this game, Um, it looks fantastic on the table and you lay it down. It has a space for every single thing and it's great. It's just great. So the Neoprene mat, it's a must-have. Now the character or the player mat as well, which is another mat that you have to buy, it comes in a set of four. It, I think it's also worth it as well because it will help you to organize your character very well. I'm not saying you need the mats to play, but I'm just saying that in my opinion, it's recommendable. And that's the thing. I'm always very transparent. I always tell you, I love Neoprene mats because I feel like, to me, it gives me that vibe and that cosmetic vibe of the environment and Im- immersion on a game. So I personally love them. Do I think they're necessary? Most of the cases, no. It's just something that I love and like. In these ones, I do recommend them for for gaming reasons because it's going to help you to keep organized your game. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't know if it's good or bad. And once again, I was giving those. But I will tell you this. If they didn't give me a review copy and I bought this game at the store and I want to keep playing this, this game. More most likely I will end up buying those mats. So that's something that I wanted to mention because usually these games go in a range of 25 to 30 American dollars, which they, it's nice. I mean it's very affordable, and I'm glad that they keep it around those numbers for so long now. But at the same time, you might want to consider spending a little more to get the mats. So that's something that I think is worth component wise. Of course, tiny epic uh series, it's always good. And the components here are not the exception, they work great. I mean the 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 minis are. It's the first time that I see miniatures actually, uh, besides meeples, and um, the miniatures are are very nice. Are smaller, of course, than the normal scale, a little bit, but they're very nice. I mean, definitely, if you want to paint them, they might be a little bit of a challenging. I might, at least for me, because they're they're small. But um, I mean, if not, I mean, they're great. I mean, you know, they they they, they look good. They look good, and, and it almost feels like. Once you have the game with the neoprene mats and everything, it doesn't feel like a tiny epic because it feels more like an epic game. It feels more like, okay, this is a normal board game, you know, like like it has the mat, it has the minis and the dice and everything. Um, so so that that's cool. And anyway, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, overall, I enjoyed my experience. I I really did. I'm going to go back to the game and I'm going to keep playing. And, I mean, the ones that I own, and let me go right now to my other side of the shelf. The shelf, I'm sorry. The ones that I own, it's... um. Tiny Epic Defenders. A tiny Epic Kingdom. Tiny Epic Zombies. Tiny Epic Tactics. Tiny Epic Westerns. Tiny Epic Dinosaurs. Tiny Epic Galaxies. Tiny Epic Pirates. Um, and the expansions. My favorite still. Still number one. <laughs> it's Tiny Epic Galaxies. That's my favorite. And that's still the champion. Alright. That's my favorite. But I think this one. This one is just... A little bit behind. It's following. Um, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than Zombies overall. Um, more than Tactics for sure. Westerns feels different. Um, but uh, time from I haven't played Tiny Epic Dinosaurs or Pirates. Just keep that in mind. But this one is definitely just below Tiny Epic Galaxies. It's very good. It's a very good dungeon crawler. It's very good. But once again, once... with me i don't i don't feel like i would play this game without the new print mats just like that i'm gonna put it that way so um i think it's great components are great the dice are great the miniatures are great the bodies are great i really like the the enemies uh how they have different abilities uh the bosses i mean i like the idea of like very classic adventure dungeon crawler where you go down you try to find the layer but also try to enough try to kill enough um enemies to open that layer which most likely, by that time, since you're killing enemies, you're getting loot, and you're getting different items and spells and and shields and swords and things like that that will allow you to make your character stronger and powerful. I like the idea of the torch going down, you know, and 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 things happening. There's ways that you can bring that torch back to their starting to a starting spot, which is good because that basically buys you more time. So anyway, that's tiny epic uh, dungeons uh, without the story. It's just the tiny epic dungeons. Um, I think I will give it a, a, a 4 out of 5 from the Tiny Epic series. is once again one of my favorites. Yeah, but keep that in mind. I won't play this game <laughs> again without the mats. So And the iconography, it's something that it, it could hurt to the game as well. Just because there's a lot of icons to follow. So anyway, that's on Tiny Epic uh, Dungeons. And now, now let's review the last game of the episode which is pure 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 nostalgia. We have to go back to around 1992, 1993. Uh, on 1992 I was about 6 year old, 1993 7 year old. Um and back then, uh, I was lucky enough that you know, <laughs> I like to say that my parents they my dad uh, more than anything that he um helped me to start to watch movies that now are favorite movies to me and i'm talking about back to the future and i mean i i, I talked with my friends about this i was probably able to see movies that probably as a kids some kids they wouldn't allow him to see those movies like alien you know i, I love the alien franchise and i never was scared or anything like that i remember with my mom i would watch horror movies and and i mean <laughs> it was fine to me um you know and 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 i i i love i love movies i mean Besides, before board gaming, my main hobbies were music and movies. Uh, and when I watch a movie, I I, I take you know I, I look at a movie differently. Sometimes I have this conversation with my wife where. Uh, and she's, you know, like normal people. I wish I could be that way. Like I watch a movie, I enjoy it, that's it. But I pay attention to too many details. I pay attention to to the, first of all, the soundtrack, of course, because talking about music. I also I pay attention to the photography of the movie. I like to pay attention to the script of the movie, the acting of the movie, which I'm not expert on acting by any means. I mean, growing up, I went to some theater classes and some acting classes, but just like extra school things, like nothing in a professional way. Um, I like to... To see on the photography, like I said, the tones of the movie, uh, the length. Of course, I try to follow who is the director and things like that. The script, all, everything, all the details that I I wish I wouldn't be that way, and I would be more like in a way that okay, I enjoyed or not. That's it. That's probably because I grew up. And I I bring this conversation to the table because, um, there were two movies that I watched as a as a, as a kid that I really love and that I keep them in very strong in my heart in my core. But those two movies were. The the first ones I would like to think that brought some even some small tears right? <laughs> like emotion tears on on me. One uh, definitely the Land Before Time. Uh, if you have seen it, it's a beautiful movie by Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's an animated movie, but beautiful. At the beginning of the the movie, uh, it tells you a story. a narrator, very nice, very well done, very you know cinematic and very um, immersive. It, it tells you the story. About the dinosaurs and how they were created, and the deeper, different types of dinosaurs. Uh, you know, it tells you something like long, long time ago, on the beginning of times. You know, there were these, things happening, and how the continents divided and everything. It's a beautiful movie, beautiful, well done. And and sometimes those are the movies that, you know, people don't tend to appreciate because they're animated. But I mean, I I I if, if I watch it and right I will pay attention to details that I'm like, wow. And the core of the story, it, it's it's about. It's about friendship, it's about love, it's about loss, right? And I remember during the first, I don't want to spoil you because, if, in case you haven't watched it, but during the, during the first part of the movie, something happens to the main character, right? That he suffers the loss of someone very close to him, someone very important. And it's actually a very, uh, cinematically speaking, um, script speaking, music speaking, a beautiful, um, sad, captured moment in an animated movie right uh, so back then that was one of the and i don't want to spoil it because it might be the possibility that you haven't watched it, and i would highly recommend it, the adventure um you know in spanish it was uh, called eh uh, piecito or pie pequeño which is little food but here in, in english is the land before time uh, so that's from by Steven spielberg that's one that i highly recommended the first one of course i'm not talking about the all the sequels that ones those ones i mean no but the first one by Steven spielberg um then the other movie which we're going to talk about games now <laughs> it's uh et the extraterrestrial right like many 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 of you out there um have very beautiful memories with this movie just as i do um i even remember like uh, was it like last super bowl or like two super bowls ago um they brought the main character that played elliot to do a promo for a, i think it was a cell phone company uh, and during the commercial, it was a story with ET and everything, which he, when, when he finally phoned home, right, something like that. I think it was Verizon or American, an American company, basically. Um, but it was, it was, even that, watching that, I was like, wow, man, like good, good memory, you know, brings you nostalgia. Know, yeah. It takes you back to those times, and I'm talking for me at least, times with, uh, you know, SNES or Super Nintendo, or the, even before that, the first Nintendo, uh, you know, in a different, different city, uh, you know, family, friends, everything was beautiful. Anyway. As probably you have these memories as well when you watch something that brings you that type of nostalgia. And E.T. for me, it brings me that. And because of that, I was very excited when uh, Funko uh, Games and, you know, working with the Prosper Hall team of designers uh, decided to bring E.T., the extraterrestrial, uh, in a game that is called Light Years from Home game. Once again, this game I was given for completely for free. I got it not too long ago. Uh, here in my home but i covered this game with the prosper hall uh, designer lead Uh, i don't remember his name but on the Jenkon episode and we talk about this game briefly but i was excited to try it when i got when i got it uh you know from them i was like wow i'm very excited because if they didn't send it i was definitely going to buy it right um and i went with big expectations into this game big 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 expectations and i open it and i start to read read the rule book and i play the game um, let me give you, before we, we keep talking and, and you know about the game, let's go of course to BGG, let me tell you uh, all the facts there, and then I'm going to tell you my feelings and my impressions on the game, and, and more than anything, you know, how how the game plays. So, E.T. The Extraterrestrial Light Years from Home, 7.4 on BGG, it was released in 2022, 2-4 Two to four players, 30 minutes, medium light, 10-year-old uh, plus, doesn't have any language dependence, well, a little bit, but not not too much. Um, and, and that's basically it once again, designed by Prosper Hall and the publisher is, uh, Funko games. Uh, it's a cooperative game in which we're going to play as Elliot, Gertie, Mike, or Greg, as they're trying to find uh, parts uh, for ET to create a communication device to contact to his home planet. Uh, we're going to race around the neighborhood using ramps, shortcuts to avoid the federal agents, uh, and that they're trying to capture ET to win uh, we need to find all the parts just like in the movies to get the device e t get to you know phone home uh, the, sh- the mother ship arrives to pick him up and and we say goodbye and we cry <laughs> basically but that's that's the whole idea of the, of the, of the game right um, in this game it's basically a pickup and delivery that's the main core of the game you're gonna have the board which is the neighborhood. Um, and you're going to be starting with, with your miniature or your character, depending if you choose Elliot. And, of course, I'm going to play with Elliot. <laughs> you can play Elliot, Greg, Gertie, Greg. Um, and you're going to choose your character, and you're going to get the, the miniature in a very nice bicycle. Uh, and the bicycle has a basket on the front, just like in the movie, where you guess, you guess correctly. You can place E.T. there, the miniature of E.T., you can place it there. Uh, or you can place a die there, which is pretty cool as well, because those dies are going to help you in a way that I will explain you. So you're going to have those uh, different dyes, green, yellow, and blue, on different locations on the board, basically on the corners of the board. And your goal is to make sure that you get, once again, to phone home. Also, on the when you do the setup, you're going to have a track where you're going to place the mothership all the way on the top of the board. Uh, and eventually, the mothership will, will try to make it to all the way to the bottom of the board, be on the left corner, which is the area where ET supposedly call which is on the hills he supposedly call get the device and everything and then the mother ship lands and pick him up with all his family of ETs fun fact ET star ET existed on the Star Wars universe that's it i'm not going to go into more into Star Wars but um anyway so on the game um you're going to have to try to pick different basically colors of um of objects or items from the areas in that way you can take it to where let's say the blue area where there's the blue dies you're going to want to pick four different items color from the same color blue in this case pick them up with your character take them there and once you take them there you trade them basically in for the die you can pick up the die and you can travel all the way to the hill to place that die there That's very important because uh, the game will be playing in different phases, and one of those phases will be the phone home phase, where you're going to roll the die if you have one, and if it's a phone result, well, the mothership will start to advance one spot towards that area because that represents it basically calling or attempting to calling home. But the device is partially build, but in order to get the whole device built you have the three dies because once again there's a a yellow die a blue die and a green die so now you have to focus the team will have to focus on uh trying to do the same but for the yellow and trying to do the same for the green and once you have those three die there well you have more chances of avoiding misses because i think the dies they're not 50 50 are like 60 40 uh so the more you get dice, the more chances are going to be that every turn the mothership will advance at least one space. If you only have one dice, well, I mean, it's going to be very hard. Now, this is not required to win the game because you can probably build two devices and you get lucky enough that the mothership lands there. And then, uh, you know, you you ultimately can do it at different time and just bring a team, finish the device, and then boom, go home. But ideally, you want to build those three as soon as you can to have better odds of calling home, bringing that mothership, and then just bring it in. Now, there's going to be three different federal cars that every turn, depending on what's happened with their rolls, because there's enemy rolls, um, those cars are going to keep advancing. And that's one way that we can lose the game. If those three COPS car, federal cars, they reach their destination all the way to the hills, that would represent that they're surrounding the hills, so there's no way for you to get there and you lose the game. Also, there's going to be a a tile with E.T. health, which is pretty cool, just like the heart that is glowing on the movie. And every time a kid gets captured, it's sent back to Elliot house, and E.T. loses one heart. It starts with six hearts. Um, If a kid is captured with E.T., E.T. loses two hearts. If E.T. is captured, well, you guess, you lose one heart as well there's each kid is going to have an agent that is going to be following them but also there's an agent keys that he's going to try to follow et at all the time the interesting mechanic of the game as well is that usually if you pass through one of these enemies you have to roll the enemy dice which once again it will kind of like react to you or while you're doing what your kids are doing and they will start to chase you so it becomes like kind of like a cat and mouse game from them to you more than anything. And you're just trying to find different routes as you are discovering tiles to build a device. It's possible that you can discover ramps as well. And those ramps will help you to jump basically over enemies and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Pure nostalgia. There kids on their bikes trying to escape. Uh, there's also candies, right? Candies that you can use, uh, you know, depending uh, more than this, there's a, there's a group pool of candies like, I'm sorry for the copyright, but, but like Reese's Pieces, like on the movie, that they use to guide E.T. Well, here is the same thing. You can use those candies to guide E.T. ET through the neighborhood, and that's pretty cool and pretty cute. Um, there's also some cards that whoever is carrying E.T. can use. Uh, once again, a main market of cards that you can use, that there are power abilities for E.T., and once once you use one, you discard it, and then you reveal three more. So there's always going to be three, three cards on that market, that will give abilities to ET, and that's it. Either we manage to uh, to phone ET, phone home, and 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 make it, and the mothership comes and pick it up, and we're all happy and sad at the same time, or we lose the game because the cops were able to either kill the heart of ET, making it very sad, either by continue capturing kids or capturing ET, which is worst, or um, you know the three cop uh, cars they around the hills and then basically make it impossible for E.T. to get into the hills, which consequently makes it impossible for E.T. to phone home and we lose the game. My impressions on the game, the art, pure nostalgia. The board, it's beautiful, beautiful. Uh, It used soft colors, uh, you know, very tempered colors, I guess, in a way. But it's very clear, all the areas, the shortcuts that you can take, big areas, small areas. The the board, I don't have any complaint on the board. It's just beautifully uh, well-designed, uh, graphic design. Um, and the art, like I said, I like it. And on the back of the board, you have also some art as well. I think it was a, uh, like a, some flowers. It represents like Elliot House Mom. And, um, and yeah, it, it's very nice, quality, everything. Uh, you use a bunch of standees for the baddies, which they're okay. They're, you know, standees, they're always good uh sometimes if you don't want to paint too many, too many minis i think for this is better than minis the stand is for the bad guys just because you are able to identify them well on the board uh and you know different color of bases depending on your character and and the cars as well the cup cards are great um i think stand is for this game also brings that nostalgia part that feels like a board game because here's the thing this game was very well designed and done in the aspect of okay Let's do it in a nostalgic way for the movie, but also make it a nostalgic way for a board game. So it feels nostalgic. It feels new at the same time. And it, it relates to the theme, which is pretty great. The cards on the art, it's great. Uh, it's not pictures for the movie, but more than anything, it's like drawings from the scenes from the movie. So those are even better. The art is beautiful on the cards. Um, you know, the boards, the characters, Elliot, Greg, Gerty, they all... I mean, once again, is this basically the main actors from the movie, but in a painted way, drawing and painted way, so that's fantastic, not a comic way per se, but like more like an artistic painting, and that I love it it's it's beautifully done the art on this game. I feel like this episode was about all about the art, <laughs> but it's it's very well done. The box of the game i mean, just on the cover you have e t you have the kids on the bikes floating the moon on the background et and alien fingers pointing at each other um the cubs with their flashlights trying to look for them on the woods fantastic cover if you want to display it on your game room Uh, i wish i have space to display games now but everything goes into like a library um my favorite part of the games the miniatures the miniatures et come pre-painted which is fantastic the the main characters or or, our kids they come in different colors but the miniatures of the bike floating on over acrylic plastic and with the basket where you can place the device or ET is just one of the cutest things that I have seen in a, in, in a game, which for this theme uh, relates very well and attached very well. And it serves the purpose of the mechanics of picking, the, picking up in delivery and taking to their objectives. Um, overall, I really enjoyed this game. Now, what I can compare this game to... It's another game. I can compare it with Horrified Universal Monsters, Horrified American Monsters, and Back to the Future. All right? So, uh, from all these, I mean, it's very hard, of course, because they, I, I I really like all of them. I really do. Of course, Back to the Future, one of my favorite franchises. I love it. I mean, it's it's a great game. Uh, Horrified. Both of them are fantastic games. N.E.T. It's also a great game. I love keep seeing this game from Prosper Hall where they get licenses and they do a good job. Which, Prosper Hall is, uh, Ravensbur- I mean, uh, Horrified is Ravensburger more than more than Funko Games. But um, Back to the Future and E.T., they are uh, Funko Games. But they play similar in a way. I mean, they, ha- they-, they share the same core of picking up, delivery, and all that stuff, which is characteristic from Prosper Hall. Um, once again, as long as they keep doing this with this type of games with the licenses, I mean, and doing some changes here and there, I'm good with it. Because I feel like these games are meant to be like that. Accessible games, you know, not crazy with the price, available for general public, and, and still very, very, very appealing with the theme. i, I It's hard for me to see which, say which one is my favorite, but I feel like right now, right now, at this moment, right now, um, I feel like... I, I, i feel like et probably is the best one because it has too many good things and it and it it's fun it's simple and everything attached together art team everything i think i think et will be my favorite from the ones that i mentioned of course during halloween i would prefer to play Horrify and not play et but you get the idea and I think for me, this game will be a 4.5. Once again, a high-rated game as well, high-ranked game, just because it's so fun, it's so easy to bring to the table, plays good solo, plays better, um, you know, with more people. I will say that because you, you share that joy of, you know, like we we were kids on bikes from the early 90s or 80s, and uh, we're trying to escape the, the bad guys, in this case the cops. And, well, if you play CT there, well, that's even better right and the thematic is better so there you go et once again please keep in mind it was sent to me for uh, advertising i mean advertising (laughs) for review purposes but i have to say this not as an advertising that's what i'm trying to say just for you to keep it in mind now honestly it doesn't change anything if the game sucks i will tell you if the game is good i will tell you so there you go et the extraterrestrial um 4.5 Great game, also to get. You don't have to. Don't worry. For this one, you don't have to buy anything else. Just the game, uh, and yeah. So there you go. Uh, those are my games for for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, if you wanna support the show, the best way to do it is to follow us on social media. Give it a like. Uh, that really help us. Um, also, or help me if you wanna share the episode with your friends. Always highly appreciate it. And and I promise you, <laughs> now this time I will keep recording more often every week or every two weeks. Uh, in that way I can can return to the constant of Solo BG podcast. Uh, And that's it. Uh, Like always, until next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop. Drink tequila, spend summer at a Mexican bar. Steven Austin, Davy Crockett, and I'm driving my car. Maybe life is simple and I'm making it hard. you